It's Fern, the receptionist at WMNF. This is the time to mark your calendars for this year's Giving Challenge, a 24-hour online fundraising event benefiting Tampa Bay nonprofit organization like WMNF. With dollar-for-dollar matches of donations in any amount up to $100. Presented by the Community Foundation of Sarasota County. With giving strengthened by the Patterson Foundation. The Giving Challenge takes place from noon on April 26th to noon on April 27th. So mark your calendars now and get ready to let the Giving Challenge double your donation to WMNF. Hello, 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 and welcome to another exciting Sustainable Living Show here on WMNF Tampa 88.5, where every Monday at 11, we bring you a conversation with local experts on sustainable issues. Your hosts today are myself, Kenny Coogan, and the devoted Annie Ellis. <laughs> Devoted to everyone, yes. Annie, how was your weekend? Oh, it was excellent. I went to all the events. <laughs> it was not easy either. So uh, it's actually kind of a bad for my carbon footprint because I'm, you know, burning gas. But it was fun, you know, and I got to meet a lot of uh, people that were very environmentally interested and friendly and uh, conscious of the world. So that was a good thing. I was at the Green Thumb Festival in St. Pete for both days, and my brain is tired. <laughs> Parts of my body that I didn't know could be tired or tired. <laughs> and I saw about a dozen listeners who introduced oh, that's themselves. that's so nice so that they came up to say that. Yeah, that was exciting. That is exciting. So for our show, answering your calls is Clark and working the boards and keeping us in check is Mr. Bill Grace. But we also have another guest in yes. the studio, Sean. Sean, our love. Well, yeah, Kenny and Annie, I want to say hello and uh, thanks for your wonderful show and happy Earth Day, belated Earth Day to all of you. And I want to tell our listeners that uh, that yesterday the WMNF handed out its awards for volunteers and Annie and Kenny, as well as Grace, who was the host uh, last year, are selected as the WMNF News New Volunteers of the Year Award. So I'm presenting you your plaque or your microphone. So congratulations and keep up the good work. Thank you so much, volunteers. Are we the only volunteers? That <laughs> <laughs> all, all the hosts are volunteers. By default. <laughs> We're the newest, I don't know. But thank you so much. Yes. It's really nice to be recognized, and it's also lovely to have uh, people acknowledge your presence. I appreciate <laughs> it. With a present, even better. <laughs> thank you, Sean. Yeah, congratulations, and thank you so much. Um, all right, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to say something else? No. Okay, <laughs> kill it. <laughs> so today we have a... So I'm tired, but... Yeah. Our guest, she is going to invigorate us. We are talking with Virginia Overstreet on how to encourage pollinators to visit and inhabit our backyards. So stay tuned in as we promote a balance of people, profit, and planet. Yes, and uh, I am excited about this, too, because, uh, you know, all about pollinators, it's just great. Virginia Overstreet, uh, she's the president of the Suncoast uh, chapter of the Florida Native Plant Society in Hillsborough County. 
She also has been the Florida Master Gardener volunteer since 2001 and a Florida Master Naturalist since 2018, which I'm really interested in hearing about what that is. Uh, She gardens to support wildlife and to conserve Florida's natural resources. She enjoys exploring natural Florida by hiking and kayaking. Welcome to the program, Virginia. Thank you very much. And I want to congratulate both of you on your award. I saw that on the Facebook page and um, that y'all were um, getting some kind of award. But, um, yeah, y'all are awesome. This is a fabulous program, and I'm flattered to be um, asked to be a, a guest on it. Well, thank you. We're uh-huh. we're thrilled that you're here. I mean, what you do is, is just phenomenal, and your uh, ability to teach uh, everybody about what you know, we're just so happy about that completely. Uh-huh. And, you know, I wanted to talk about, uh, first off, uh, you know, the listeners may be familiar with the term master gardener, uh, but uh-huh. can you remind us what type of training is needed to become a master gardener, please? Yes, this is a um, it's a program that's offered through um, the um, Hillsborough County Extension or all the extension offices um, throughout Florida, and the training is based on research done by the horticulture program at the University of Florida. So it's it's all science based, and oh. there are classes on growing edibles, um, maintaining healthy soil. Um, attracting wildlife, maintaining your turf properly, pruning, pest ID, uh, protecting water, um, good bugs, bad bugs, which is one of my favorite, and also right plant, right place, which means if you, if you know your plant's water requirements, light requirements, and mature size, you're able to plant it where it will it will thrive. Um, you know, you can't plant a rose in sun. You can't plant. I mean, in shade. You can't plant a fern in full sun and expect to give it more water and more fertilizer to to thrive. So, knowing these things help you um, give a plant, you know, a space that it needs, and it helps you minimize the um, amount of inputs in the um, in the ways of water pesticides and fertilizers so it's it's good for the environment yes much better for the environment for sure and you know i I always add one more to it that the right time right plant right place right time because i know a lot of times people will uh, put things out in the either the summer the height uh summer or you know the cold winter and it's not exactly the the optimum uh for uh, any plant to get started and that's the most important part isn't it getting it started It, it absolutely is and um you know, um, getting a plant established means, you know, watering it. You know, even if it's a drought-tolerant plant, yes, all new plants have to be watered in. And, um, you know, a common mistake a lot of gardeners make is they'll plant something in the summer and they'll think, oh, well, you know, these occasional afternoon rains I get will take care <laughs> right. of it. Well, they don't. And um, <laughs> so, you know, I do water a lot when I get a brand-new plant, but after that, it's... Um, you either make it or you don't. And, um, <laughs> most, most things in my garden are drought tolerant, but oh yeah, I have a few that like a regular um, regular drink every now and then. But um, yeah, that's very important. The right time of year. Yeah, uh, I agree with you a thousand percent. I mean, some of mine. 
you know, just require a little bit more water. That's just who they are, you know. And so that's, yeah. I chose them. And so, you know, uh, I have to give them what they need. You know, another yeah. question uh, I have for you is, because I don't know the answer to this one at all, uh, but which is great. I love to learn something new. What is a Florida master naturalist? Annie thought it meant that you were a nudist. That's right what I thought. <laughs> it was naked gardening day all the time. <laughs> I, I know that there's a such thing as called News Gardening Day, but I don't. Yeah, it. It, yeah, I don't do that one either. <laughs> it, it's the first Saturday of May. Oh, and you coming know up. that. You know that. Okay, that's, yeah. that's so telling. This, um, <laughs> the Master Naturalist Program promotes um, awareness and understanding of Florida's natural world, okay. and it teaches people about Florida's unique ecosystems and the wildlife that live in them. And it's broken down into three main core modules, uplands, coastal, and freshwater. And then you learn all about those different types of ecosystems, the plants and the animals that live in them. And then there are special um, other topics, wildlife monitoring, habitat evaluation, environmental interpretation. And these classes are offered, um, you know, in different uh, different counties, and you don't have to stick with one county. When I took the program, I took most of my classes over in Pinellas County because I don't think Hillsborough was offering it at the time. But I also went down to Manatee County for a couple. I went over mm. to Polk County for a couple. But it's um, it's geared towards you know homeowners, but also it's wonderful for educators. If you you know, if you're an environmental science teacher or an ag teacher or a horticulture teacher, it's great. Um, you know, or if, you, if you're just um, a volunteer at a different park or something and you want to learn more. But it's, um, it's pretty intensive. And the, the three main core modules are a week each. And it's difficult to get them all at one time because, you know, some counties may not be offering them. You may well, I, you know, I'm going to have to go down to Sarasota County for this one or, mm-hmm. you know, over, you know, to, up to Hernando for this one. But I kind of like mixing it up. You go, you go on different field trips. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I found out through that and the, what I've learned as a master gardener and as a member of the Native Plant Society, I'll be out with people and I'll be helping with ID without even, you know, realizing it. We'll be, you know, kayaking on a river, and, and I'll overhear somebody say, gosh, that's a pretty plant. I wonder what it is. And I'll know what it is, and I'll tell them. And oh, that's so great. Yeah, yeah, and it's, um, you know, just without even trying to, yeah. you're, you know, you're teaching people, you know, you know, one homeowner at a time. And, um, you know, it's, um, and it's, it's nice to teach children, and um, but it really... Um, you know, whether you're a native Floridian or you, if you move down here because of work, like I did, you know, we love Florida and, you know, it's important that we all do our part in protecting these natural spaces. Oh, I love that that you said that uh, because it is. We are responsible for our planet and uh, the more we do or don't do to hurt it, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the better. Um you know, when you just said you you just teach it as it comes out, I mean that is that's like something, you know, you just know. After a while, mm-hmm. people just know, and so mm-hmm. they they do have that available all the time, uh, which is is wonderful. I know 
I personally do that. I'm sure Kenny does that all the time too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when people are around and they ask you something, or I constantly implant IDing things. Um, right. So, mm-hmm. But it's uh, that's great. You know, I think I'm going to check into that personally. I've I've never thought about doing that, but I think this is a great idea. Um, I'm going to check my local area uh, for that. Thank you for that, Virginia. Yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah, I want to um, do our reintroduction now. Um, okay. I am Annie Ellis, and you're listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Virginia Overstreet, the president of Suncoast Chapter of the Florida Native Plant Society. We're talking about encouraging pollinators to our backyards. And if you want to be a part of this conversation, please give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on the air. Kenny will. (laughs) (laughs) So, Virginia, speaking about identifying plants, there's this tall blue porter weed that a lot of people are growing and it definitely attracts butterflies. The flowers are edible. They taste like mushrooms, but it's not the native species. So can you tell us why would it be... Is it better to be growing the ground cover native blue porter weed or is it okay to have the non-native one? Um, well, I'm glad you asked me that. Um, it, the, the problem with the non-native porter weed, and I agree with you completely, pollinators love it. Years ago, I had one, and when it, within a year, I probably had 12 to 15. Oh, wow. Okay, and um, I made the decision to get rid of it. The, you know, it's not that, you know, my garden is going to, you know, you know hurt, um, you know, Central Florida. The problem is when these plants escape into Florida's natural areas, and they're so, you know, they do so well out there, they're crowding out the native plants that are part of the natural ecosystem out there. You know, it, it's very disturbing to me to be on a hike and see Nandina, yes. or um, you know these, these different you know non-native plants that were um, um, spread because you know birds ate the the, the, the berries and then you know they um, they they sprouted you know out in a you know a natural area. Mm-hmm. So that's really you know the thing. You know a lot of people say, well, I can control it. Yes, well, you know um, a lot of these um, wildflowers or these non-native wildflowers. You know they're they're pollinated on the wind. They don't need a bird. They're um, you know the 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 seeds spread in the air and they're you know they they just spread and um, so that's really the problem. Now I had no idea the leaves tasted like um, mushrooms. <laughs> they're delicious, <laughs> actually. That. They're yeah. delicious and they look so pretty in a salad too. I have one question. I'm going to jump in uh-huh. here if you don't mind. Uh, I, I was wondering if that particular porter weed um, crosses with the native and does that then disturb the base of the the native you know where it turns into a mix is yeah, do you I, I don't know if you know that but I was just curious I've never heard that anymore. okay um you know th- there is you know some cross-pollination going on out there the Andinas I, I heard, heard they're doing that, that. yeah yeah uh-huh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for those of us who want to attract wildlife using native plants, where are some what are some good resources to purchase native plants because when you go to the big box stores, they're selling stuff that's kind of for like the whole country and Florida is definitely right. different. Right. Yeah. Um what I what I would recommend is you go to a a nursery that's a member of FAN. 
the Florida Association of Native Nurseries, and their website is fann.org. And I can give you some names of some here in the Bay Area. In Hillsborough County, uh, down in South Tampa, we've got Little Red Wagon. Oh, she's the best, isn't she? I love it. Love her. Yeah. Anita Um, Camacho. uh Uh-huh. And over in Pinellas, we've got Wilcox Nursery. Yes. And um, I think there's another one, Twigs and Leaves, also. I'm not 100% for that okay. one. Then over in Lakeland, there's a new one called The Nectary. The what's and, it called? Uh, the Nectary. Oh, The Nectary. Yes, I've heard of yeah. that one. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, in fact, we had the two owners as um, one of our guest speakers at a, um, our Native Plant Society meeting um, last month, in fact. And then down in Parrish in Manatee County is Sweet Bay Nursery. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's probably the biggest of all of them. But you can you can rest assured that if a plant is labeled native when it's at a fan nursery, it is it truly is native. And, and all of these nurseries have got good signage. You know, you can take a photo of the, um, the sign that they've got, and it gives you all the, the care and information, oh. what type of wildlife use them. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, I don't want to drive that far. Well, yeah, it is a bit of a road trip to go to some of these nurseries, but it's, it's a lot of fun. I, I learn so much. And it's funny, when you go to these nurseries, the, you know, the, the butterflies and bees are all over the place. And you can watch them and see which plants they land on. And maybe that'll you know, oh. help you decide which plants you want. That's um, another resource is um, we just uh, a couple of weeks ago the um, USS Botanical Garden had their spring plant festival, mm-hmm. and the, the Native Plant Society has a big booth there, and um, we did very well. And we'll be back at their fall festival the second weekend of October. So those are um, those are really good places to buy native plants. And so, what's the name of uh, on the booth that you are in? What's the it's name? Suncoast chapter oh, okay. of the, uh, Native Plant Society. Okay, yeah. thank you. When you first walk in the gate, we're the first booth on your left. Oh, right. and, um Yeah, people, um, you know, they come in with their wagons and you know, <laughs> buy lots of plants. And, um, you know, and, you know, sometimes we'll sell out of a certain plant and, you know, um, you know like a vine. And people will get frustrated. And, you know, so we, we, you know, we try to get more and more. But it's really rewarding that the word is out there um, how good native plants are for, um, you know, supporting wildlife. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see, the, you know, the public, um, you know, getting into it now. And, it's um, you know, most of the native plants don't require water. They're not all drought tolerant, but many of them are. And, um, you know, I'm, my garden is not 100% native. Um, you know, Kenny, you, you and Ryan have been over. You've seen it. I love the red pentas. That's a non-native plant, but it's a good pollinator plant, mm-hmm. and it's not invasive. It's um, you know, it's, it's just a good pollinator plant, and you know, and I love my succulents and orchids <laughs> just like everybody else. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I I definitely uh, garden for for wildlife to bring in the pollinators. Speaking of your vendor spot at the USF uh, Botanical Gardens, I heard this phrase this weekend, and I want everyone to know it. The the person was there in the morning and they said, I got to get out of here before it's butt to gut. <laughs> and your vendor, there are a lot of guts there. Your vendor like. spot is packed. You know, yeah, it's yeah. the first vendor spot, but people just go there because they know that's what's going to be. There's a limited amount of these native oh, plants. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You have to, that's why people go early. Yeah, and they're excited. These. Yeah, because so, they want to yeah, get they, that, that vine that's going to sell they, out. 
Uh-huh. They or, or nearly that festival opens at 10, but they let um, members of the garden in at 9.30. Oh. And from 9.30 to noon, yeah. it was packed. I mean, there were <laughs> to people, guts. People said, well, you know, I, there's no time for me to chat with people or yeah. you know, people might want me to walk around with them one-on-one. It's like, right. ooh, I'm, you know, I'm checking people out. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> when you said that, you heard a phrase, I thought you were going to say, Freedom Lawn. That's Ooh. the new. Oh, that's a good one. Music. Yeah, yeah. That's um, that's you know this this movement which I think is phenomenal. People are not worrying about you know using a product that's going to kill um, ground covers and wildflowers in their lawn. They're just letting it go, and they're still mowing it, but they're not worrying about what else is out there besides turf. And you know, it might be fifty percent turf. But it might be other ground covers that are out there. And I love that term, Freedom Lawn. I don't know who started it, but I like it. So it's all green things, just whatever it is. Uh That's great. Uh Hopefully native things. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh Oh, I like that. So speaking of which, sustainability is defined as a balance of people, profit, and planet. So I was wondering how native planting native plants and pollinating attracting plants is good for people. But I think you kind of just said that. You don't and it also has to do with the profit aspect. You don't have to buy f- pesticides, which is not good yeah. for people either, or the no, planet. Yeah, not. And there's, uh, there's so much. It's some stress relief. You know, ooh, yeah. you had a rotten day, or you know, I mean, a lot of people got into uh, gardening and bird watching during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, um, because they were and road trips. Home. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, it's a creative outlet. You get to enjoy the natural beauty of things. Um, if you're not overwatering, you're you know it's important to protect Florida's natural resources. And mm-hmm. you know it's um, you know you know don't water just because it's your watering day. If you've yes. got a section of your garden, <coughs> you've got certain plants that truly need it, then water just those. But don't broadcast whether it's water or pesticides or fertilizers all over your landscape. Just water as needed. And know what the pest is before you make any kind of treatment, if you're going to do a treatment. That's well, you know, a, that, one of my pet peeves. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, and that's another thing that the Master Gardener program will teach you is um, pest ID. Yes. You know, I've, I've had people, you know, with their phones show me a photo, and they say, what is this, and how do I kill it? And I will say, mm. that's a lady beetle larva. Right. Yes, it's, a, it's kind of a freaky-looking critter. <laughs> they do look that, scary. <laughs> that is, yeah. And they eat aphids. So leave it alone. Like be crazy. It's their... you, yeah. Yeah. Be happy you've got that in your garden. Yeah. yeah. You are listening to the Sustainable Living Show on WMNF Tampa 88.5. Today's guest is Virginia Overstreet. We're talking about encouraging pollinators to our backyards. If you have a favorite plant that attracts pollinators and want to share, give us a call at 813-239-9663 or send us an email at dj at wmnf.org and we will read it on air. And Virginia, earlier you mentioned about the birds and last mm-hmm. week, uh, Annie and I read an NPR story about the decline of the North American songbird. Oh, so it sad. said that in uh, 2019, led by Cornell Lab, that they found that there's 3 billion fewer breeding birds than in 1970. It's amazing to me. So it's yeah. crushing. Like you mentioned, I've been to your house a handful of times and you have uh-huh. shrubs and trees. So can you give listeners some... Uh, 
plants that are good for birds? Yeah, yes. to feed um, the birds and such. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I tell you, five of my favorite, because they provide berries for uh, birds during the winter, are um, American Beauty Berry. And that's, um, that's a beautiful shrub. Um, it has these bright purple berries that the, that the birds absolutely love. Um, ornamental coffee. That's and such that's a beautiful plant. It is. It really is. Um, um, the bees like it. And um, I've seen um, 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 butterflies, you know, roosting inside of mine. That's another good one. Um, firebush. It's another oh. good one, and um, that is just a fabulous wildlife plant. Um, birds like the berries. Um, hummingbirds like the, the flowers. Um, I've seen you know bees, uh, butterflies. I've even seen a black racer and just sitting inside one, you know, <laughs> because you know he's waiting on lunch to show up. And um, <laughs> it, it's just a, a great plant. Another one is our native honeysuckle, not the Japanese one, but the native one. And um, um, they have berries on that that the birds like. And, in fact, a pair of mockingbirds have started a nest in one of mine. Aww. So that's been fun to watch. But, boy, when I go out on the front porch, they don't like it, and they let me know about it. Too. Um, <laughs> little dive another, bombing? Is that what they're doing, yes, a little dive uh -huh. bombing? <laughs> yes. Another one is marlberry, and that's a tall shrub. Mine is probably 15 to 20 feet tall. But it produces this blackberry, and the um, the birds like that one too. What's how do you spell that one, uh, Virginia? Well, it, it's um, it's our native Ardisha, um, A R D I S I A, Esclenoides, um, but Marlberry, M A R L. B-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, I think people yeah. misinterpret that as mulberry. So I wanted thank to make you. sure thank that we you. specified yeah. that. So yeah. thank you. And that's one of the things about these common names. Yes. And, you know, I don't know the scientific name of every plant in my garden. Mm -hmm. I, I depend a lot on common names. But it is, if you really want to research your plant, it is a good idea to find a scientific name yes. and then look it up by that. But um. But there are others. There's a, um, a, a, you know, those are all larger shrubs. And then, of course, the, um, the um, honeysuckle is a vine. But there's one called rouge plant, and it produces um, a berry. And it got the name rouge because I believe, you know, Native Americans use the berry to, um, you know, for a, a paint. But birds love that plant. And um, Simpson Stopper. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. one. They like that. And, um, you know, that's a good pollinator plant, you know. Beautiful little white flowers, very fragrant. But it's um it's fun to have a plant that provides um, that supports different types of wildlife, whether it's you know birds and pollinators, mm -hmm. or, you know. So so that that's a lot of fun to for a plant to have a um you know multi use out there. Mm -hmm. I other than my orchids and my succulents, I don't I just don't buy plants anymore because they look good standing there. They have to. They have to justify themselves. <laughs> they got to give back. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I live in Seminole Heights. I don't have a large garden. Yeah. I know y'all probably got a lot of listeners out there that live on an acre, and I hate them without even knowing them. <laughs> but, um, but um, you know, um, you know, you, when you live in a small space, every space has to, um, you have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Every time you add a new plant, do I truly have room for this? Yes. You know, I've, I've got this beautiful live oak in my backyard, and um, and I I'm, I'm, love that plant. I love that tree. I really do. But I'm envious of people who've got 
space to grow some pines. Mm-hmm. I love native pines, and um, you know, but I I do not have room for any more trees in my yeah. land. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So, Virginia, we have a caller, and oh, it's Rebecca okay. from Safety Harbor, and she wants to talk about spider warts. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. Okay. Hi there. Um, I was wondering if they're okay. I mean, they are good for pollinators. Pollinators love the spider wart. But I don't know that they're native, and I don't know the advisability of having them. Uh, they do, uh, they're very prolific. Once you get them, you'll get a lot more of them. So I wanted to ask about spider wart. Good okay, question. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm glad you called, Rebecca. That's good. Um, I've got a lot of spider wart in my front yard. And in the morning, I like to go outside and sit on the porch because the, the blooms are open and they're there are native bees and honeybees just just jumping all around them. And that is a, a plant that I really had to do an attitude, attitude change on. When I first started gardening, before I really knew what I was doing, I would dig those things up because they popped up everywhere. Well, now that I know the benefit of them, I leave them. You know, when one pops up in a, um, you know, like one of my succulent containers or something, I, I dig them up. But um, that plant is so popular now that when we had those at our plant festival at USF, we had, I don't know if it was 24 or 36, but they were not in bloom yet. And people bought them up because they knew what they okay. were. So, Rebecca, I encourage you to leave that plant there. But, yes, if it, if it grows up, you know, right next to your sidewalk or right next to your driveway, and you know it's going to get trampled or it, it grows inside of one of your containers, pull that one up, but leave them in your landscape. They really are okay. a good plant. I also wanted to say that they're edible. Uh, the flowers yeah. are wonderful in a salad, and the actual stems, they're gelatinous, but they are sort of like uh, a, um, an asparagus spear. So, and, and whenever I have them in errant areas, like areas I don't want them in, I put them where I do want them. So I'll just move them to the bed that has established uh, spiderwebs. I probably don't need to add to it, but but I do. Yeah, uh-huh. So yeah. I wanted yeah. to also add one thing that I wanted to let okay. people know that the firebush comes in different sizes. There's a the regular large firebush, and there is a dwarf version. So if you do have a smaller yard, uh, you can get that type. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks, Rebecca, uh-huh. for calling. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks for uh-huh. the info. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, so you mentioned you have a you have a pretty small uh, Seminole Heights backyard. How do you think your backyard bird population compares to the others in Seminole Heights? Like, can your property support multiple families of birds, or do <laughs> or do you need everyone in the block to be having a it's like a church? Yeah, native. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Garden. you know, it's interesting. You know, as you know, this is an older neighborhood, and we do have a lot of mature oak yeah so you know there are birds in our trees when i'm walking through the neighborhood i hear the woodpeckers and i you know i'm always listening for birds not that i know the sounds of all of them so yet to a certain extent this this neighborhood does support a lot of birds but i have um i have let's see one two i think i'm down to four bird baths and um and and I really have to um, refill them a lot because they splash water out when they're bathing, and then they do drink the water. But um, 
I think I probably have more because I put feeders out, I put the water out, and also I've got insects in my yard. You know, yeah. I don't I don't have a company that comes and sprays. Yeah, so there's food in my neighbor in my uh, garden, and you know, for the um, when um, you know birds have got you know their their chicks, they have to go out and, and you know they, they they need protein, and so that's what they do is they go out and get you know, insects and, you know, uh, caterpillars and things. And um, and that's why it's so important to keep native trees in your landscape because, you know, the, um, you know, a lot of them, a lot, you know, like, for example, oaks are the um, larval plant for a lot of um, moths and uh, different um, butterflies. And so, the, you know, that's where they lay their eggs. And so there's there are a lot of caterpillars up there and wildlife in the canopy of your oak trees. And they're not going to kill the trees, but that's where the birds like to go to get these, um, Mm -hmm. you know, to get the food to feed their babies. So, you know, the more native trees you can get, the more wildlife you're going to have. Very cool. um, So, Virginia, we have two callers, and we don't want to keep them on too long. Yeah, (laughs) so we have Anne from North Tampa, which we're going to take. And then right after her, we have Gary from Sarasota. So, hi, Anne. All right. Oh, hi. Um, Yeah, I had... I have a problem. I have a beautiful, uh, it was a beautiful lantana that was blooming, and um, my neighbor sprayed it with Roundup. And I noticed, and this has happened before, that after you spray it, before it dies, it kills all the bees. Yeah. I was wondering yeah. if that was known. You yeah. Because. Um, it's awful. But yeah, I was really wondering is, if people yeah. knew that or if there was any um, any legal team or lawyers or anybody that's uh, addressing that what, fact. Let me ask you, was it a native lantana? Oh, I don't, it was just a volunteer that comes Okay, up. that's why it's an invasive. Uh, that, that seed came over there uh, and it turned into a full plant because it was an invasive species. Mm-hmm. So I'm sorry it died, but and I'm very sorry that they used Roundup. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I was it, just wondering about addressing the bee the bee problem because um, I know in Hillsborough County you have a truck that goes around spraying Roundup all along the roadside. Oh well, uh, they do, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. So what it would do would be after you spray it, after you spray it, before uh-huh. they die, that's when it kills mm-hmm. them. If a bee lands on it, it kills them. Yeah. So shouldn't yeah. there be some kind of legal team or something that addresses that well, Monsanto is a big company. That? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that, um, you know, that, that they, they shouldn't have been spraying anything on your property. That's true. Um, you're right. But, but um but, you know, like Annie said, it was probably the non-native invasive lantana. In fact, the Native Plant Society was on a field trip yesterday down at Camp Bayou um, in the Ruskin area. And we loved going down there because um, they did a prescribed burn back in February. And it was so much fun to see all the natives coming back. Oh, yeah. So on the side of the road, we did see some of that non-native lantana that escaped from someone's garden. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're walking in someone's, in an area that's got like a, a, you know, an invasive plant and one seed sticks to your pants or gets in the tread of your boots, you know, you, you could be contributing to, to spreading that. But I really love our native lantana called button sage. It's not as showy and flashy as the non-native, 
but the, that's another one for the birds. Those bees, I mean, those um, uh, berries on there, the, oh, the mockingbirds love it. They just go nuts over it. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. It is tragic when someone sprays a plant, any, any type of wildlife that lands on it afterwards, you know, just looking for, for nectar or, a, um, or um, you know, something to eat. They will probably die. So, yeah, it is unfortunate. Thank you, Ann, for calling in. I learned about the ibis, too, you know, because they love the grubs. And so if people are doing treatments on their lawn to get rid of the grubs, which is one of the mm-hmm. things they do, uh, then they're getting in yeah. there and, and eating the poison, which is so yeah. sad. So we also have Gary from Sarasota. Hi, Gary. Welcome to the show. Hi, great show today. Um, Thank you. You know, about five years ago, I have, I have a few acres. I stopped mowing at the end of September because my lawnmower broke before that and the weeds had gotten high. And then I saw so many pollinators during the day on the natural weed flowers. And then at night, at night, it seemed like there was even more pollinators out there as well. So I don't mow my yard. I have weeds that probably 12 to 18 inches tall at the max. But, you know, come rainy season in June, I'll mow. But right now... Mm-hmm. We talk about birds, they're just so happy. I mean, even a cow pasture, you know, they eat it down so much where there aren't as many pollinators. Yeah. So yeah. I even took a quarter section, a quarter acre, and I didn't mow it at all because I saw little tiny pine trees all the time. And I've got 200 pines coming up, and some of them are taller than I am. So seven feet tall. And they just look so cute sitting over there. We walk, uh, my girlfriend and I, when we walk through, it's like a little tiny enchanted forest, but you know, it's surrounded by some big pines and some live oaks, but it's beautiful. And it's just it's just been so pleasant to sit in the backyard and, the and look at the lake with all the, the weeds and all the birds. That's amazing. Yeah. It's just you've completely yeah. changed perspective yeah. on what the look is to you now, and that is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, those, um, those I, I encourage you to document it. Take photos and videos, and, and you'll be amazed, like, you know, in a few months, what it'll look like and what it'll look like a mm-hmm. year from now. I'm, I'm proud of you. Good for you. Yeah. Well, it's just so easy not knowing because it's not much to know you know i don't have an irrigation system right and uh mm-hmm. but weeds i mean natural weeds like when i was a kid we used to walk through the woods all the time and you forget about them and they all pollinate they all have flowers and there's always somebody knocking at the door saying hey can i come over here and pollinate and mm-hmm. you know it's built yeah. it's just it's, it's just a lot of fun so that's really interesting to me that you just said too that there's a lot of nighttime activity because i know one of the things they say when people are like uh using poisons is they say well spray at night you know so it doesn't get the bees because they go to sleep yeah. well that just tells yeah. me something else right there it's I'll, interesting I'll right yeah there was as much nighttime pollination as there was daytime pollination. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get yeah. over how many moths. That surprises just, me too. Just yeah. It's, it's a living world out there. It, it, yeah. it uh-huh. really, really is. That's wonderful. Uh, thanks mm-hmm. so much. Thanks, Thank Seth. you. Or, thanks, mm-hmm. Gary. We have uh, Seth coming on in just a minute, but first, Virginia, do you know about those hummingbird moths? Oh, they're so gorgeous. Are they native? They're beautiful. Yeah, uh, I don't know if they are or not. I'll look it I'm up. I'm not sure about that. But, um, you know, a lot of times people will think they've got a hummingbird. Right. It, it, you know, <laughs> it's a hummingbird moth. They but, are the um, coolest things. 
they really are. And, and, you know, I've never seen one in my garden, but people mm-hmm. say around dusk. Yes, right before dark, yeah. they they are uh-huh. showing up. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw them at my house, and I was just uh, just beside myself. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. We just got a text message from Celia in Winter Haven, and she says that the sunshine mimosa is very popular with her pollinators in her yard. That's a wonderful ground cover um, in full sun. Um, it puts out a tiny little um, pink, you know, round flower. And, um, you know, that's a great thing to put out there. You know, I mentioned the term freedom lawn. You know, put some of that out there, you know, with your lawn or, or you know, even by itself. Now, it's, um, it will take over. So, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a good spreader. But, um, but if you've got an open area where you don't have anything else planted or if you've got an easement in front of your house, you know, between... Your, your, between the sidewalk and, and your property, um, you know, a long, narrow strip and the full sun, sunshine mimosa is a beautiful plant. It really is. Mm-hmm. It and is. once you get it established, no water, no input. Um, I've seen that in the medians in, um, in the Tampa area. It's um, being used, you know, in, um, you know, some road projects. Very cool. And what about uh, perennial peanut? I've seen some people grow both of them in the same area. Is one more dominant than the other are they okay as companions the same um you know i've got some that um you know years ago and a neighbor bought some and she said um you know she's my next door neighbor she said i apologize i was you know (laughs) they're aggressive yeah i'll take it and uh, and i like it i've got it in a place right now and it's the area is a mixture of of perennial peanut and scorpion tail oh nice native and then the, the native porterweed. Uh-huh. And I'm just letting that area go. It's right next to my uh, driveway, and that's where I load my kayak. So oh. I'm always stepping on it, and, the, the, you know, sometimes I'll have the boat laying there. But you know what? All three of those plants do just fine. They, you know, so it's, just, it's kind of a, I guess that's my little freedom lawn. <laughs> but, freedom! Um, yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, yeah. I have no problem with uh, perennial peanut. It's um, you know, um, it it is you know, it, it puts out a good root system, yeah. just like the um, sunshine mimosa. So you know, when you plant it, make sure it, you know you know you know what you're getting into. It's not a plant that you could put out there and then you know six months later say, oh, I don't know if I really like this because. Yeah, once you have it, you have it, don't you? (laughs) You know, I wanted to let you know, too, that uh, the peanut uh, flower is delicious. Uh, It tastes like a raw peanut, and it is so good. Uh Yeah, I eat them all the time. I have them in my front yard. Yeah, and you know, mentioning this, you know, um, that's another reason not to use pesticides. Exactly. Most of y'all have talked about the edible aspect. I mean, yeah, I've got, you know, several herbs in my garden, and I do grow the the Everglades uh, tomatoes, and so of course I would never spray around any of those. But um, you know that um, you know some of our wildflowers are edit- yes. edible, and um, so yeah, that that is another reason not to spray. Right, because I like to go walking around the yard and graze myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Virginia, we have another caller. We have Michael from St. Pete. Hi, Michael. Hi. How are you? Good. Doing great. Hi. Doing good. I was wondering if you could explain the difference between Florida friendly and Florida native. Great question. Okay, yeah, I can uh, try to help you with that. Um, okay, the Florida friendly landscaping program through the University of Florida is—it's um, not 
a magical list of, of plants. It's a, it's a landscape maintenance program. It's, you know, you can have a Florida-friendly landscape if you plant your plants, like, you know, right place, um, right plant, right place. Um, right time. You know, only water when you, um, when you need to. And then plants that have not been determined to be invasive. Um, but now the Florida, um, the um, Florida Native Plant Program; those are native plants that were here um, when European, um, you know, explorers came. They're they're here not because anybody planted them and they escaped into you know our you know natural preserve. So you know that's mm-hmm. um, you know like a lot of our trees. You know um, we have native palms and then we have non-native palms. But um, but that's the difference. It's um, you know, all natives are um, Florida friendly if they're planted in the right place, you know, in your landscape. But not necessarily are all Florida friendly uh, plants native. And I, Michael, I hope I've explained that, or or did I further confuse you? <laughs> well, you didn't confuse me. I'm I'm just curious about the um, I guess the plant approach. In Florida, everyone plants. You always hear that anything grows in Florida, and yeah. and Florida yeah. is a, a flyby state. It's a really a an ecologically sensitive area, and I can't believe that even communities are even thinking about only native species at all in these areas. Because right now, ecologically, we'll be losing these these plants through time because we aren't replenishing them. And they cross over sometimes too, and the yeah. uh, the invasive species blocks out their their ability to grow. So there's yeah, that. Yeah, the invasive species were put on the Florida friendly list. Yeah, First I've seen foremost, that. These people with with like master's degrees and PhDs are making these decisions, and they and they don't even know the area they um that they're planting in. That's funny. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. And that the big box stores also sell them uh, just crazy. They're like all in there. And you can buy invasive species all the time. It, I don't understand why that's available, but it is. Because people buy it because they make money off they it. They make money. There it is. Yeah, that's yeah, it that's right what, there. Exactly yeah, right. It seems like yeah. the Florida friendly industry is a big, a big circle. Petroleum products, herbicides, pesticides, fertilizers. And people don't explain that plants photosynthesize and they make their own food. So why do we fertilize? Yeah, because they should. Everything grows from uh, leaf litter and that sort of stuff naturally in in its own environment. Yeah. And, and another thing is it mentioned is is Tampa Bay is one of the lightning capitals of the world, and and, and when lightning strikes, it releases nitrogen in the air. So fertilizing is actually redundant in this state. Hmm. Interesting. Thanks, Michael, for the call, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, additions to those comments? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> okay, so we actually have another call. We have wow, Mark. You're popular, from, Virginia. Yeah, people love pollinators. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the show, Mark. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'd I'd like to know about the um, the peanut grass. Um, in particular, is there anything besides peanut grass that would work as a ground cover to replace a regular lawn? Um, yes. I'm just looking for something to cover up the dirt. Um, do not believe in fertilizing or watering the grass. So whatever grows belongs there. Um, right. Um, you know, we, we've mentioned a couple of natives right now. Um, the the um, 
the native porter weed, and then um, a caller um, mentioned that she really enjoys the sunshine mimosa. You know, those are two uh, Florida native ground covers that do well in full sun. And, um, you know, I mean, you, if you've got an area that um, where your turf is suffering and you've got, um, you know, bare soil, I would plant some of those and just, you know, let it let it do its thing. I really would. Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to try. We have some peanut grass, but that is not um, that's more annual than. Well, I wanted to throw this out there. There's about. 25 species of that, or 25 varieties of that. So you need to make sure you know which Latin that you're getting. The Latin of each one is going to have a different name. So like the one I have is a deep grower, dark green leaves, and it has a a dark yellow flower and it tolerates more shade so you really need to know like we were talking about earlier knowing the latin of this specific is really going to help you out and where am i going to look it up go online go on to uh on peanut there's a a, uh like perennial peanut uh some of them is called perennial peanut sod and they have a variety of uh, different types that you can look at and maybe you can id the one that you have i don't like the top surface growers myself i don't think they do as well uh, i like the deep ones but they are very aggressive so i'm th- sorry to step on this question but i just had to throw that out there because it's one of the things i do know really a lot about on that one so there's that yeah, well that's that's exactly what we're looking for because um, we have a sandy soil that, like I said, we don't do anything for it. Yeah. You know? So if anything grows there, it's going to be pretty hardy. You're going to have to water mm-hmm. everything for a while, like Virginia was saying yeah. earlier. Uh-huh. You've got to get things in there and established, and you cannot depend on rainfall because that even if it rains, it's not going to be enough. It's probably not going to be enough. might be, but yeah. doubtful. It just needs a steady soaking for, what, a month or two? or uh, Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Daily yeah. for a little I, while. I buy a new plant. I, I water it daily for, I'd say, at least two to three weeks. Yes, me too. Three weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then start backing well, off. Well, by one day. Just good, one day. Is this, a, is this a good time to plant? Any, it's Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anytime. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, great. Yeah, we've been yeah. looking for this for a long time because um, our lawn is spotty at best. Yeah. And, you know, we have oak trees, so we have combinations of where it's full shade. Oh. We have Mm -hmm. other places where it's full sun. Frog fruit, really good, will deal with shade. That's fabulous. Frog fruit is really a good one uh, for shade. So that'll help you out. You can, like, mix it and put the shady stuff in the shady area and the sunny stuff in the sunny area, and maybe they'll meet in the middle. Uh Yeah, well, that'd be great with that. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right, so on uh, the line, we have Seth. He's new to the Sustainable Yay, Living Seth events. Seth is here. And Woo-hoo. Annie, we only have a few minutes. Oh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, Seth, All right. thank point. you for calling in, and can you tell us some events that are happening in the area? You got it. I'll try to go through it quickly. Um, yep, so I'm with the Sustainable Living Events team. I just want to highlight a few events coming up in our Tampa Bay community this week this week. Uh, so coming off with some great Earth Day celebrations, we do have Arbor Day celebrations coming up this weekend. And uh, one that I wanted to highlight was on Saturday, April 30th, Arbor Day from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. And that's the Pinellas County Arbor Day celebration and tree planting, which is sponsored by Pinellas County Urban Forestry. They're offering hands-on activities and environmental exhibitors, 
Uh, if you'd want to participate in the tree planting, uh, uh, show up for the volunteer opportunity um, early, around 845, I believe is what they're requesting. And that is at Eagle Lake Park in Largo, Florida, again from 9 to 2. Um, next up, also on Saturday, April 30th, from 10.30 a.m. to 12 uh, p.m., there are there's a presentation on frogs with Avalon Tyson at, at the Brooker Creek Preserve. And you can learn about the plight of frogs today and how we might be able to help them. Uh, again, that's at the Brooker Creek Preserve Environmental Education Center in Tarpon Springs, Florida, from 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., um, also on Saturday, April 30th, there's a couple classes uh, being held on how to rebuild your soil organically, nice. as well as a class on an introduction to the benefits of Moringa. That's sponsored by the Better Than Great University. Uh, there is limited seating, so please pre-register. They ask. Uh, you can go to www.plantplace.com and register for that event. And that is being held at the plant place in Bradenton, Florida. The class on soil is 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. The class on Moringa, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Thank you, Seth. Um, that was excellent, Seth. Thank you. Oh, You've been broken well. in. <laughs> and, <laughs> we, and we want to remind listeners that they can go to our Sustainable Living WMNF Facebook page and see all of the events that we've uh, mentioned and listed. So, Virginia, we only have one minute, and you're the president of the Sun Coast chapter of the Florida Native Plant Society. Can you tell listeners where you meet and how they can learn more about the organization? Okay, well, um, follow us on Facebook, Sun Coast chapter of Florida Native Plant Society. Now, we have, um, we meet on the third Wednesday of the month. And we have been meeting online for the last couple of years. However, uh, June 15th will be our first in-person meeting in Aww. two years. And it's going to be down at Little Red Wagon Nursery. Oh, nice. Tampa. And Anita, the owner, will speak on butterflies. She's so and, great. Um, yeah, we, um, our May meeting is going to be online. And this is, um, this is a lot of fun. It's our annual, what we call, members photo share. We won't have a guest speaker, but members will submit to me photos of their um, either their gardens or some interesting things they've seen on a hike or, you know, a vacation, whether it was in or out of Florida. And we just make it a slideshow. And, and that's been a lot of fun. But Thank, um, yeah, thank you so much, Virginia. You have yeah. just been an absolute joy to be on this show. We are out of time. Unfortunately, we could have another hour with you <laughs> for sure. <laughs> So, right, I appreciate it. This was fun. Thank well, you. I'm good. If you enjoyed the show and our weekly content, please consider going to the WMNF.org and donating through the tip jar and directing your donations to the Sustainable Living Show. Your donation helps keep us on air. Stick around for the next hour to hear WMNF Tampa's Monday Music with Flea. If you want to hear more public interest programming, you can switch over to the WMNF's HD3 channel, The Source, to to listen to today's Tom Hartman show live. Tune in next Monday morning at 11 for the next Sustainable Living Show, where we will be talking with Manny Herrera about World Carnivorous Plant Day. Yay, Kenny. And I am, <laughs> I am Kenny. I am Annie. And if you uh, remember, if you are looking for someone to save the world, look in the mirror. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.